In the last week of December 2019, I received a call from Amadou that he was coming to Benue State, and not just Makudi, but he was going to Shangevia, the little village he served two years ago as a National Youth Service Corps. And that was that was a first. I mean, no one comes back here, especially not when they had served in a village, a very typical village, and in a time of crisis, they hit Benue State for it. Amadou heard of the fate of the pupils he had taught as a core member in, in the small village called Ipilaizwa in Shangevian Benue State. Some had been sent out of school, some were getting married off as child brides. Some had gone to big towns as laborers, and one in particular, one of his favorite kids had been raped and was at the verge of getting married off to the rapist. And that was when he shoved all his anger into his luggage and took a 16 hours journey back to Benue State from Lagos. Hi. I am Yemsi Ojo, and this is What We Made of Chaos, Episode 6, The Shangavia Story. And I am Amadou, Damil Amadou, and um, about Shangavia. So it all started in um, 2017. Okay, so I came to serve in Benue in 2017, right? And... Um, I was post after I was posted to Kwande, local government where Shangivia is, and then I went there and I visited the schools and there were huts and mother houses and all of that everywhere. And <laughs> that really drew me because I'm an, an, an adventurous person. And then I was so interested. And then I was like, I'm definitely serving here. <laughs> right. As a, as a youth core member, sometimes you lobby, you plead. You know, fake medical reports, beg for favors, just anything to get you in a nice place of primary assignment. But for Amadou, it was different. He had he had experienced too much of the city life, even just wanted something really different. Because I've been in Lagos all my life, so seeing this kind of environment was something new. I really wanted to be about, and um, like I said. Uh, like at that time, so I had this opportunity to go, <laughs> to go outside the country, uh, rather, to go and study in Canada precisely. And then I was like, no, I'm not going. <laughs> Sometimes, okay, first of all, after, I <laughs> after a couple of months, right? After a couple of months, I was like, okay, why did you say no to that? Because did you do work, Dami? <laughs> right. So I said, no, I'm not going. I'm going to come to um, Shangibia, rather. And I came. And it was a heavy battle with my family, especially with my mom, because she really wanted me to redeploy. Basically because of the Boko Haram crisis that was happening here at the time. Um, the Boko Haram crisis was really, really big at the time. Different parts of Benue was being bombed at that time. So it was really a big issue. My mom would call every person I know to call me, <laughs> to tell me to redeploy, right? But for some crazy reason, I'm actually crazy, I just did not redeploy. <laughs> I did not redeploy, and I'm glad I did not, actually. So when I got down there to Shangavia, it was like a whole, a new kind of life entirely. Meeting um, people who live on basically $1 a day, 
like 200 or less a day. Basically, that's the way of life there. There was no power at all. Like, there's no power at all. When it's dark, it's dark. You don't have touch lights at all. Yeah, there was a place where, there's a place, it's called Branch, like the Market Square. So some people who have generators use it for business. You get to charge your phones there. So that was basically the only power source there. And then these people, right, they, they are fetching water from wells and all of that. And the water is dirty and like they're just drinking it off and it's like nothing. So um, it was just really new experience for me. When I got there at first, I was like, and then I went to our PPA, the school where I was teaching. And I was like, oh, I want a mud house. <laughs> and <laughs> they all laughed at me. They laughed at me real hard. And I was very, very serious. They ever wanted a mud house. But they thought I was joking. So they did not give me a mud house. But they gave me what I, the apartment I stayed in actually was kind of close to a mud house. <laughs> a bit close. And then the bedroom. I think I showed you the bedroom, right? The bedroom it was just um palm fonts. Just made um how do they call it? Is it touch or like just palm font palm fonts, just folded them together and then you have to use your your um um your towel for the door. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember a couple of times, maybe once or twice while I was beating, right? Soap I had soap in my eyes and then the towel just fell down. <laughs> And some of my students will pass, they pass through there, like, every morning. So, like, you have soap in your eyes, but you can feel the breeze is eating differently. <laughs> you know, oh, my God. The towel is off, is off the door, off the, the stick, right? There's no more door. And then you're just scavenging. You're just, like, searching a bit for your towel, trying to put it back quick, and then raise your eyes and just get the hell out of there. So it was crazy. And um, but I really enjoyed um, Shangri-La. Okay, so um, I, was, I was teaching English there. Um, I studied Agric actually. <laughs> I studied Agric and um, so when I got there, they tried to make me an agricultural teacher. I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to teach Agric because these people farm like on a daily basis. It's their life actually. So like basically, what really are you? There's a lot to teach them definitely, mechanized farming and all of that that they probably don't know. But there was more. So I, ought, I opted to teach English instead, which... Right, I know I'm confident in my English, and then so I started, and it was <laughs> it was not funny, like it was not funny at all because even the teachers had English problems, right? So talk less of the students. So it was really a lot to teach English there. Sometimes I would use a drama. <laughs> I once used the drama to like explain to them, and they were laughing and all of that. And at the end of the day, they asked if they understood, and they didn't understand anything. And that day, my spirit left. <laughs> I almost fainted. Like, so it was really tough teaching English. And then along the line, some of my students, like I noticed, stopped coming to school because of finances. And I really would have loved, I really wanted to help at that time, but I really could not because my finances were tied and all of that. So that, that was how Shangivia started, right? Because I had some that were actually very brilliant, like one of some of my best students back in school then. But they weren't in school right, because of finances and all of that. So when it was time to farm, the school was virtually empty because they're all on the farms. They, they would be on the farm and um, their parents don't have the fees to pay anyway. You understand? So it came like that. The problem, however, started when Amadou discovered that many of the kids stopped coming to school 
because they could no longer afford the fees. Now, to put that in perspective, in a public school like in Ikbula Izwa in Shangivia, the total amount being paid per annum is less than 10,000 never. Paid as a supplement of the so-called free education. It was, it was, the education has been tagged free, but by the time receipts are being given to kids, every time the fees become unaffordable to the parents who are mostly peasant village farmers. And um, you will see just little, little tokens in the receipts. And before you know it, they've all accumulated in thousands. And you'll see cutlass, um, a fee for cutlass, a fee for holes, exam papers, exam pens, examination, stationaries, and, and, and all. For the next two years, Amadou searched for scholarship opportunities to help his students get back to school. He explored many options, applications, online, met individuals, and a lot more. And, and that was really how the, the Shangivia project started. After I was done serving there, and I went back to Lagos, I was in touch with my students for a while, but then along the line, um, Evelyn, Evelyn right? so I lost contact with her. Evelyn had been telling me she wanted to go to the university, like it was so important to her while we were there. She was really focused, but um, like a couple months later, I, I got news that Evelyn had gotten married. I think Evelyn was 17 years old or so. She was 17 years old, a young girl. So that really hits me, like it was really painful. Because she was keen on it, like, she's, she wants to go to the university, like, how could she get married all of a sudden? And then I remember she had been calling me, like, some months back, and then I forgot to return the call. So it wouldn't really hit me at that, what if that was what she was trying to communicate with me? Yeah, but before that time, I already started planning to help raise funds. And by the time I started, like, I still did not have, because I didn't have a job at that time. My friend and I started, we had a startup, a tech startup, but we weren't really getting gigs, we weren't really getting jobs, right? But like, so okay, so while I'm um, thinking of how I could raise funds for them and all of that, I remember that I took some pictures while I was serving there, and the pictures were really nice. So I thought, okay, why can't I um, frame these pictures and sell them and use them to raise funds for their education? Right, so I threw, I took some of the pictures, I edited them like earlier, and then, okay, I edited them earlier, and then I put them on my WhatsApp status for my friends to see. I told them about, I told them about what I plan to do, and they're like, "What do you guys think?" And people were like coming up like, "I definitely want to buy one when you frame it. I think this is a great picture." I'm like, okay, this is good, <laughs> and so the pictures of the kids, pictures of the environment. Uh, maybe those pictures, the one at the wall, I think people really like that one. Then some of nature, which I actually took with my phone, my Samsung. Then the rest I took with um, a camera. And they really liked them. And I was like, okay, let's get this going. And then um, I filmed the first picture and I sold it. And then that's how it started going. And people started cheering. 
or Amadou is doing this, he's using the funds from these pictures to pay for the education of kids, and people start sharing, people start sharing. And I'm like, okay. Okay, so about the pictures, right? We've got a lot of people, like, who I'm interested in, but interested in buying. But, like, up to date, we only sold, we've only sold four pictures. I think we made um, 18,000 altogether from the pictures. But the good part is, after when it, people start sharing these pictures, a friend that works in an organization, yes, we are winning, like, came to know about it. A friend that works in an organization came to know about it, and they're like, oh, this is cool, let's meet. Like, we'd like to meet with you. And so I met with um, the the um, founder of the organization, and he was like, oh, they would love to sponsor three of our kids. I was like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that, that was what even opened me up to the fact that, oh, you could actually get sponsors, right? If I was just thinking, I'm just going to sell these pictures, I'm going to create um, an art exhibition somewhere, somewhere, and then really sell out on these pictures. I was trying to sell them on Etsy. I'm like, wow, a full scholarship, um, tuition, um, uniforms, books, bags, everything. I'm like, okay. And then, um, the, uh, like I said, the pictures were slowing. People that promised to buy were not really buying. And then, so I threw it open again. Like, would you like to sponsor one of these children? And surprisingly, people started popping up. Like, yes, I would love to. I posted it again. This person said, yes, I would love to. Yes, I would love to. And then we had people willing to sponsor. Right? It all started because, like, when I started, right, filming the pictures, like, I was like, I, 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 like I said, I didn't have a job. Right? So it's not like, oh, I was... I had, like, some real, really good cash and all of that. In fact, because I didn't have cash. If I had cash, I think I'd have tried to do it alone and just do it and, like, let nobody know. So we just threw that out on Twitter and Instagram. Like, we just posted it. Um, 100% of the profit is going into a child's education. And it just... So, like, from there, it just kept growing. And, like, up to now. And, like, we have more sponsors now. Um, the, the Yes Revenue Foundation is sponsoring three. Um, a friend is sponsoring two, another friend is sponsoring one, another friend is sponsoring two, like that. Then there's another organization is actually sponsoring so like this about ten sponsorships, like for the kids now. So after two years, <laughs> two years of being away, I've been giving um Pina and Ins. I've been giving um Father, Father, which was one of the teachers and Ins. That they will see me soon, no. And uh, they should not be surprised. They're like, oh, it's a lie. I'm not going to come. So two years later, um, 2020, February, I'm here in Brinway, <laughs> right? They never like, I'm like, ah, come on, what do? They're like, nah, it's a lie. It's a lie. Jagan, jagan. <laughs> okay, jagan, jagan is all. The bowl, I used to go to the bowl to fetch water. So, um, when um, you push it up and down, it starts mixing that jagan, jagan sound. So, the kids there, anytime I come, they just be like, jagan, 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 jagan. <laughs> so, while I was passing there today, they just saw me and they screamed, jagan, jagan. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they still recognize me. So, it really, really, really made me happy. It, the headmaster saw me, I was like, what <laughs> and then that was the plan though i plan to make it a surprise because i didn't want i didn't want them to influence because this is nigeria they could probably influence the people who got the scholarships uh, the sponsorship opportunities only to be for people who solely deserved it and could not attend so which is why i came 
became unannounced as well. I like, oh, you're the first couple that has actually ever come back. I like, couples be like, oh, we're going to come, we're going to come. And like, they never come back. And um, I remember father was speaking and he said, ever since we left, like, that's me and the couples that were there. We are five coppers. He said everything just nosedived. Like the school had gone down since then. Because before it was GSS 1 to SS3. But like by the time we go back now, it was just GSS 1, GSS 1 to 3. They had less teachers. So I think um, coppers being there really brought a whole lot of kids to the school. But like now it was just GSS 1 to 3. They had less teachers. And like the school was really struggling. Or is really struggling. The biggest hit, however, for the Shangavia project was when Amadou applied for a Stambik IBTC grant to renovate the school and very fortunately won. Stambik posted on their social media their choosing 30 initiatives, five each from six geopolitical zones in Nigeria, to sponsor with the one millionaire grant for their corporate social initiative whether it was um, education, um, health, and all of that. So I applied for Shangavia, Iquila Izwa. Iquila Izwa is the full name of the school, um, to get it renovated. And I applied, I, I nominated Iquila, and then after we nominated, and the links came out, like, they're going to choose the, um, the most voted initiatives. So I called everybody, mom, father, <laughs> Sisters, friends, everybody go and vote. Made videos while I was walking in the sun. I remember I was in um I was on the island that day. So I could barely see what I was recording. But I was just like with the phone to my face, like guys, we got here, <laughs> you remember? I like guys, we got shortlisted, please go and vote for us. And then I was just telling everyone, so everyone voted. And um the results came out in December. But Stambik did not post it on their Instagram. I was following them on Instagram. So it was like January, ending of January, I was like, okay, when are they posting the results? And I messaged them on Instagram. And then the director, they sent a link to a video on their Facebook to show me they actually announced the winners already. I was like, oh, they did. <laughs> so when they started, play, I played the video and then I was seeing, I like, okay, what's going on? I'm not seeing Shangavia. I'm not seeing Shangavia. And I looked down, I was like, oh, it's different political, geopolitical zones. And then Shangavia was like the, maybe the second to the last, the middle belt zone. When I saw it, I screamed. I was so excited. <laughs> I was really, really so excited. Like, oh, I was really excited. Like, oh, we got picked, we got picked, we got picked. I don't remember. I can't remember who I called. Who did I even call? I didn't message some friends because I couldn't contact. I just had to tell someone. And then I messaged my mom because... I haven't, before I went to the airline that day, I was in my mom's office. And then I, <laughs> exactly, she calls me on the bottom of Brinway. That's father of Brinway children. So um, I told her that day to message all our friends, all of our friends in our office. I told them to please vote, vote, vote. So they, they all went in. She called our junior staffs. Everybody followed this link, vote, and all of that. So I called her. She was so excited as well. Everyone was excited and so when I told the, um, the school about it, they were really excited as well because with the way the school is now, they could really use a renovation. They really could use renovation. I think the development is going to attract more students back and even youth coppers because since we left, coppers have not been coming there. <laughs> I remember the last copper we brought today. After she said, they like, nah, I'm not serving here. Like, I can't stay here. First of all, there's no light, no power. Um, it's well water and water looks... 
dirty, right? The, the standard of life living there, like when you're coming from the city, is actually not, not good, right? I can't blame anyone who doesn't want to stay there. The five of us that decided to stay there, we just decided to stay. Like, we are going to stay here. For me, I just wanted a new experience. I didn't want city anymore. I wanted village. I wanted city. But I think with the development of the school, it will bring more teachers, right? They can push more of their finances to things they need to build the school, right? And more students will definitely come. I mean, if they are now computers where they can learn from, they have a more equipped library with books that are really that really have pictures that can stir the imagination of the children. Uh, and we're also thinking of creating a solar panel. I just hope the grant will be enough to do all this, like the one million. I don't know. Possibly we could get additional donations. You know, with the solar panel, like to power the school, I mean, it's going to be like, it's going to be big because there are really no schools that have those in all of that area. So I think we'll bring about more children coming to the school, more teachers, and more development because that is the only school, the major school in Shang- um, Umbak and Shangavia. So it's really big for the community. But things were no longer the same by the time Amadou got to Shangavia. Some of the students had gone to different parts and continued their life doing different things. Part of the students, yeah, Patrick. Patrick was one of the best students while I was teaching in GSS1. I was their class teacher. And I was really odd because when I came, I spoke with him last month, January. And first of all, he was around. And then another week, I think a week after, he called me. I was like, Kopa Amadu, I'm in Osho now. I was like, what are you doing in Osho? He said he came here to Oslo. I was like, are you kidding me? That he's with his brother. They came to do cocoa farming, blah, blah, blah. I was like, nah. I like, because I was already planning to come down here by February to take care of his education. And he called me because while he was speaking, I was like, is he hustling that he's with his brother, but that he wants to go to school, he wants to go to school. I was like, don't worry, you'll go to school. Like, just make sure you're back in Benin by February. But like, now, after that time, the following week, I remember calling his brother's number, and up to now, the number has been switched off. So I'm here in Benin now. And I'm speaking to them, and they're like, oh, Patrick is now in Benin. I'm like, oh, my God. I've not still been able to get to him. Now, he's supposed to be one of the beneficiaries of the sponsorship because he really is a bright kid, a smart kid, and he's, um, he's Evelyn's brother. Evelyn, too. Evelyn is the one who got married. And Evelyn, too, is very, very, a very, very bright, bright child. Both of them were, like, the best, my best students, part of my best students while I was, I was teaching English in Jesus 1. And so it was really, it was really hard for me because he definitely was like one of the persons that did okay because he's staying with his uncle or so and they are not taking care of his education, right? So he has not been going to school for like over a year. His classmates now are now in um, GSS2, GSS3 while he stopped at GSS1 because that's what they said. They said they, they stopped seeing him in the school. But they, he told me, like, nobody's paying his school fees anymore. So he's just hustling and all of that. So I'm going to keep trying his numbers, his brother's number. Hopefully I can get to him. But as I had, they kind of do a contract with the people they are working with. So maybe you work for a year. Then at the end of the year, you get paid. So that means if that is what he opted for, that means there's no way he can live there until the end of the year when he's done working. And um, his sister Evelyn, we met with Evelyn too today. She was pregnant. <laughs> she was pregnant already. And we okay wanted her to be part of the beneficiaries, right? 
but then now she's pregnant and there's no way she'll start going to school pregnant, right? And I mean you had her speak, right? She was she was fluent in English and like that's very rare to find you. Yeah. She she was the same girl. She's um she's consistent on whatsoever she wants. I remember telling me she said she wanted to go to university. It's not just Anna parents now, it's Anna husband. So we just can't intervene. But despite this, there were still some of them, some of the students who, shall we say, had the God's smile on them. Yes, had the God's smile on them. Seeing all of this um, made me happy, right? Um, seeing Queen, we went there today, and Queen and um, and um, Baby, Baby, that's a nickname. I can't pronounce the <laughs> the team name, Senenge. Okay, Senenge. And they actually just sent them back from school because of school fees. Similarly, we go to the house and saw them like, oh, why are you not in school? Like, school fees are like, awesome. <laughs> but then we are going to school tomorrow. <laughs> and then, so it really made me glad to like, see them and we've been able to help. We have um slots for 10 kids. Even when they are done with high school, they go to, how they go to college. So, um, about education, actually in rural communities, like in the old Nigeria, but especially in rural communities, it's more, it's it's worse for females. Because, like, at an early age, they just get married off. It's here in, in the um, Benue and all, but, like, it's even worse in the north. So, you see young girls just get married. And that's why we are also focusing more on females here with Shangiria. Because most of the males, they are still in school. But, like, the females, like, at some point, they just get married. As we go forward, right, I don't have any grand plan <laughs> for Shangiria. As to as many kids, we can get them to go to school, starting from high school to college. So they, this is okay. This is in line with what quality education is go for. This is going to affect um, the decent work and economy because if they have a good degree and even if they when they get out of this community, they might be able to get a decent work, right? And that that leaves a ripple effect. Now, when they come back to the community, they can make the community better, right? So, so this is how I see Shangavia, because I just want them to get an education. We might have had some minor wins in the rural education system in the past years, but with the advent of COVID-19, the gap has become a bit more widened as children in these areas cannot afford the kind of education that is only obtainable now. They cannot afford digital means of getting education. A report have estimated that school closure around the world will hit girls the hardest and that generally millions of students in the rural areas that are presently out of school will not return. This is like a huge throwback for all of our 20 years of gains in building bridges in the education system and ensuring that every child gets access to quality education. And in the absence of digital skills and digitally skilled teachers in these schools, our hopes are even more blink and the future a bit more scary. We need more strategic efforts, definitely, to come around this mess and this and if we have more people like Amadu right now in the forefront of this effort, we would have many more Shangavia projects. And might I say, many more success stories.
I was in Shangavia with Amadu for two days and one of our deepest emotionally challenging moments was visiting one of Amadu's students. Oh, 15-year-old girl who had been raped now with a child, Kumasum. And that is the story for next week. That is all about this episode of Made of Chaos. Thank you for listening. You can visit our website at www.whatwemadeofchaos.org or follow us on all social media platforms at Made of Chaos NG. Um, and I am excited about our new team members at Made of Chaos. And because of these people, we hope to bring you more inspiring stories. My name is MCO Joe. And until then, I hope you do something with your chaos. <laughs>